We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. It has been a pretty anticlimactic week when it comes to boxing and MMA, but we found enough to pack together in this show for you guys. UFC 4 has announced their rankings, and it was cool. They did a rollout kind of like Madden did, so we'll talk about who's ranked too high, who's ranked too low, and a couple surprises in the game. We'll also recap last week's card, give our previews for this next one. And in the realm of boxing, DAZN made big moves in their first return. Eddie Hearn went crazy with the pyro in his backyard. Shit felt like WrestleMania. So we have to talk about that as well on the boxing side but first dre to kick off the show i feel like your grandmother was the star of our last show yeah i didn't know so many people would be uh would find that humorous about my grandmother beating me with an empty paper bag after hiding in the closet that's <laughs> just that's just scratching the surface of who my grandmother was my grandmother was an asshole um <laughs> but that's a whole nother show like I, it's funny we've got a lot of requests I don't know if you've seen them, too, about us doing a podcast just about our, our ratchet lives as kids. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know if y'all would care that much about it, so we'll stick to the, this show to talk that shit. But uh, yeah, man, being getting beaten with an empty paper bag. My grandmother hit me with anything, and again, you have to remember this is an old, elderly, semi-racist Italian woman. So it was like I got shoes thrown at me regularly. Like she never cared if I bled. My grandmother. Oh, here's one. <laughs> when I was five, I think that was really young. I can't remember. But it was around the time where I, you know, I put a, a towel in my shirt and jumped, made it my cape and would like jump from my bed to like a chair and think I was Superman. So I would jump and barely clear the area where to land on my bed, right? And my grandmother kept telling me, stop, stop, stop. But I'm a kid. I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep jumping. <laughs> so I lost my footing. I, I missed and I fell and I cracked my head on the edge of the bed, right? Like down to like the white i have a dent they have a scar on my forehead from this uh so i go and my grandmother's taking a shit and i walk in to her taking a shit with blood running down my face and crying my grandmother's also smoking a cigarette while i'm taking while she's taking a shit and she looks at me multitasking yeah multitasking yo people who smoke cigarettes will smoke cigarettes anywhere in a gas station in a gasoline fire Anywhere, anywhere they'll smoke. She smoked while she took a shit. So I walked in, blood streaming down my face with a towel hanging out the back of my t-shirt um, and like tears and snot. And she looked at me and she didn't even ask me what happened. You know what she did? She burnt me with her cigarette. <laughs> oh, that sounds like some new Japan, John Moxley deathmatch type she shit. Didn't say, she didn't say a word to me. I cried. She held the cigarette with her two fingers. You know, you had, you had smokers and two fingers. Just looked at me and casually leaned the cigarette into my shoulder and burned me. And then just told me to get the fuck out. You weren't thinking about your head anymore. No, I sure wasn't. I got burnt with a damn cigarette. I had a hole in my shirt and everything. Went right back to my room, cleaned myself up. And uh, I think my grandmother made me some cereal or some shit after that. But I never jumped off that shit again. I don't think we ever talked about that shit. I think when I got older, I was like, yeah, remember that time I burnt you with a cigarette? And my grandmother would be, always say shit like, ah, go take a long walk off a short pier. Or my grandmother's favorite thing is, ah, go fuck yourself. That was my grandmother's favorite saying no matter how old I was. She'd always tell me to go fuck myself. So this foul mouth is courtesy of my grandmother. <laughs> she sounds like an exquisite lady, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, burning you with a cigarette, you did interrupt her. I inter- she I, was I taking did- a shit. I just yeah, bust I mean, in there. That is a place of solitude. So maybe she didn't appreciate that either. Yeah, you'd be all right. Yes. No one, old school people never went to the doctor or hospital. Mm-hmm. No. I got a nail through my foot once. Like I was walking on some shit I was supposed to be walking on, like in this construction in the back of someone's house. And then I got a nail right up the foot, through the sneaker, into my foot. Managed, my friend stepped on the board. I pulled my foot out. So I'm leaking blood. You get me home. My grandma's just like, ah, you'll be all right. And she just gets this big-ass bucket of, like, uh, iodine. So she first pours, like, half a bottle of alcohol on my foot and then just sticks my foot in iodine. I was like, don't need a shot or anything for that? She's like, nah, you're fine. Yeah. So lo and behold, fuck yeah, I was fine. Old people don't care. No, they don't. It's it's a whole whole different world for them. So I understand. My grandma's getting to the point where she's crazy and old. Um, I mean, you saw her at my wedding. She's very fast and agile for her age. So, like, she's sneaky fast, though. 
So she has her little cane and all this shit. But she chases iguanas in her backyard in Puerto Rico because they eat the fruit that she grows. And she'll cut them in half with machetes. That is a visual I was not anticipating. She's like fucking Yoda. Like, you know, when Yoda's like limping around and then he gets the lightsaber and he starts doing flips and shit. That is her with the machete. I, I was like, how do you catch an iguana? This I don't comprehend. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty agile my damn self. I'm not catching a, a wild animal. They're fast. Nope, catches them, cuts them right in half. Then just tosses them. Yeah, see, it's fucking nuts. So I understand when you say your grandma's like, you can still be agile at that age. I can see her hiding in a closet, creeping up on you. You can still hand out ass whoopings. Certain things old people never, never lose track of. The jump shot and the ability to whoop your ass. Yeah, the jump shot is key. There's so many old people, it's like, fuck, <sighs> fuck dribbling. I'll just knock down this jumper from anywhere. Easy. Money. I'm, t- I'm telling you, I got I got buckets dropped on me by the old heads for way too many years. Uh, I was at the NBA Finals once, and they have like this cool media, like NBA um, executives type game in between finals games. So it's just pickup, and they run full, and it's like first to eight. And I remember there was this executive from the league offices, but I, I think I forgot what he did, and he was a smooth like sixty. And lo and behold, this motherfucker was like dead nice and one of the top 50 college scorers of all time. But you'd never know. And he was just dropping buckets. The games were nine, he was scoring seven. Mm. To the point, he played no defense, but he was wet from wherever. I was like, Shh, I ain't fucking with these people. So jump shots and ass whoopings, old people can hand out regularly. So I don't mess with that. You've seen the boxing old guy, right? Gets in there, knocks the young dude out. I feel like that's every old guy. Pretty much. You never, never lose the hand. So your grandma, she was just, you know, she was a little bit ahead of her time. The cigarette burn is one hell of a move. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I flinched. <laughs> I flinched for like the next five years when she smoked a cigarette. I just like flinched. I'm like, come on, man, get that shit. Right. <laughs> you just never know. Never that's know. good. She kept you on edge. Yeah. You had to keep your wits about you. That's. Yeah. yeah that's so. parenting at a different level. So, yeah, look at that. You turned out fine. Your grandma did something, right? Uh, someone who didn't turn out fine, who uh, might need wisdom from someone like your grandmother right now, Kanye West. Might need an ass whooping. He, I, he definitely needs an ass whooping. An old person, old-fashioned ass whooping. Because now reports are coming out. It's all over our timelines. It's, well, it's everywhere. That, lo and behold, this presidential run is a hoax. Right? It's to take away votes from Joe Biden, the black vote, to split the black vote and propel Trump to another victory, his boy Trump. Like, we didn't see this shit from a mile away anyway. But that has me asking the question, how dumb do they think black people are? Well, see, God, I'm so tired of talking. Yeah, do that. Yeah, I got to crack the claw for this. I'm so tired of talking about Trump and Kanye on this goddamn show. Like, I can't <laughs> wait for this to end. Um, the thing about Kanye is he's weaponizing his celebrity, right? Like, he's taking his celebrity, he's turning it into a weapon, where his goal is to get his buddy reelected. Now, the problem with this is, like, he's ta- the plan is to take away votes from Biden. And 
I wouldn't necessarily say that it's just the black vote. There's a lot of white kids who love them some Kanye West. True. So it's a generational vote that he's after of people who don't care about elections, but idol worship Kanye West. And the complicated thing about this is, well, how many of them were voting for Biden anyway? Is there what I wonder. Like, I don't know how many people that would run out because, I mean, shit, he may get a few votes here and there, but people who weren't voting anyway would vote for Kanye, but that means he's not really taking a vote away from Biden or Trump. It's just some people they, they're going to weaponize and bring him out there to write in. Could it be a few votes that where people were like, ah, I was, you know, I got pressured to go to the ballot because I need to, and I don't know who I'm voting for, so I'm going to vote for Biden because I know not to vote for Trump. But if Kanye's name shows up, I'll probably vote for him instead. Do those people exist? Yeah. But, dude, Kanye's an idiot. I keep saying this, man, like week after week. Like, just because you made some great music doesn't mean that you can be a politician. And the equivalency is just because you fixed the carburetor on my car doesn't mean I want you to perform an open heart surgery on me. They're not mutually exclusive. They're not the same thing. There are no parallels here. Being creative doesn't make you intelligent. There are distinctly different things. Fan- like, dude, perfect example. Floyd Mayweather. Brilliant in the ring. Absolutely brilliant. But do I trust Floyd Mayweather to teach a college course on biology? No, never. Absolutely not. I'd pay money to watch him read the textbook. I knew that was coming. I tried to stray <laughs> away from the reading thing. I really tried to stay stray away from it. But, dude, the man's an artist in a boxing ring. But yeah, that doesn't yeah. qualify him to be an artist anywhere else. I don't know if Floyd Mayweather can draw a stick figure. I wouldn't trust him to, to recreate a Picasso just because he painted beautiful art in a boxing ring. Kanye West making great music does not mean he can run a country. Or attempt to run a country. Like, this is this has become a celebrity contest, and it's bullshit. No, but you look at the guy in office currently, dude. And five years ago, we would have said the same. No, and while while true, that's based on the society that we live in. That idol worship celebrities, like celebrities, get the most attention. They always have, but and now they think they can run for like political office. But at least I keep saying this. At least with Trump. And it's funny because people will say things like, well, Trump's gone bankrupt five times. Look, listen, guys, I keep I've said this before. Filing bankruptcy is not bad. Filing bankruptcy basically says I ran up all these bills that I don't feel like paying for anymore. (laughs) That's really what like what bankruptcy is. And now I'll take I'll go. I got so much money that, yeah, I can go in the hole for seven years because I don't need credit. I'll buy everything cash. Like Trump, yes, he has failed businesses, but a lot of people have failed businesses. Remember, mm-hmm. like Rockbox with Damon Dash, like that just shit didn't work out very well. They don't, but he he still knows how to run a business at least. At least he still has Trump, like Trump Towers. This yes, he got his money from his dad. He tried to sue him on his deathbed, which is a whole other fucking story in itself. But Trump has some kind of knowledge when it comes to business. Kanye has knowledge when it comes to making a beat and not even rapping lyrics. There is no less qualified person to run a country than Kanye West. Like, Trump was the the floor. Kanye's the basement. Like, that shit is ridiculous. 
There's no yeah, way I, this man should be even trying to run for anything. It's ridiculous. But then there's the people who would vote for him. So there's there's a whole different level of there's people who follow Trump to yes. the end of the earth, you know? So you you see this all the time. They don't worry me. The people who blindly follow them worry me. Yes, those and, the, the people who voted for Trump are scarier than Trump. Yep, and they're out in droves. But again, these figureheads empower those people. Yeah, I mean, you have to like, all right. Historically, you look at Hitler, Charles Manson. They had a certain appeal about them to become cult figures, right? And yep. they created a legion of people who followed them. Right. And as much as they were wrong, you have to question the people who followed them blindly to their own demise. In Trump's case, people wanted something different. I, I say it all the time. Like, it's always a radical shift in this country. You got a black president. It was like, what's the worst thing you can get after that? This motherfucker. So these people voted for him. Some people did it because they was, like, just wanted something different. And they really hated Hillary Clinton. But a lot of people just voted because they were stupid. They just looked at him and was like, oh, yeah, I've seen him on Celebrity Apprentice. I'm going to vote for him. Yep. And it's like, dude, here we are. Like, if anybody watched this recent Trump interview where this man <laughs> refused to give John Lewis any credit because he didn't intend his inauguration, that's like the ridiculous amount of ego that it takes to do that. This is coming from the same guy who said that, was, that there were good people on both sides of white nationalists and protesters refused to acknowledge that John Lewis did anything and then followed it with I've done more for black people that's ego some people love that shit though and they it, vote for ego listen it is it, I'm telling you this Lil Wayne's a great rapper but it wasn't until he said I'm the best rapper alive that people are like oh this motherfucker could be the best rapper alive like when you tell someone something and you speak it into existence there's a large group of people who will just believe you and follow it so and go to bat for that shit nobody likes to read like, no 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 dude, one reads anymore this, I mean we I don't want to talk about this anymore but the fact that there were so many people that were in my mentions and other people's mentions that agreed with uh, Kanye West's Harriet Tubman bullshit is troubling Oh, yeah, with no, and I get it, some people, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk on it, they're like, oh, well, she was part of the union thing, like, oh, okay, so she escaped and wanted to have a fucking career, like, okay, so she wanted to help free other slaves, or whatever it may be, they're like, so she was feeding, you know, slaves to just a different man, I'm like, you're dumb. Dog, that didn't fucking happen. Like, yeah, I'm like you're now, you're now making inferences and, and trying to fill gaps in history with no knowledge of what occurred during those gaps. God, that gives me a headache. So people and, and people will fill those gaps with a bunch of nonsense if you let them. And it, this is the barbershop mentality, right? Like, and it's funny. I every time I go to a barbershop, which is rare now, but if I go into a barbershop and there's always a sports conversation, obviously. I never tell someone that I'm a journalist or a sports journalist because I would get a million dumb fucking questions. I've done it twice. And they're like, oh, right? And then I'll be like, yeah, I cover boxing. And they're just like, oh, well, you know, 
Floyd Mayweather is the greatest all time, and he does it. And I'm just like, yo. But the stats they throw out to support their argument, I won't tell them that they're wrong. But I just listen to people bold-faced lie. But other people in the barbershop have no clue that these stats are wrong. Or bold-faced lies. And I'm just there laughing inside. Because people will say these lies with such confidence. To the point of, I, I think they made it up and then forgot they made it up. And, and take it as though it's truth. Yeah. And that's that's the same thing I see with this. Like with the Trump stuff and the, the Kanye, Harriet Tubman line. People will be like, yo, no, no, no. This is what happened. Like, okay, where'd you read this? Give me three sources that say that. Oh, no, but I'm... T- Oh, it's not in the history books, my brother. This is what they don't want you to know. Yo, that's that's like my favorite. My favorite. <laughs> like, I love those guys. My favorite is people who can't cite a source to save their fucking life and tell you where shit is hidden. Like, those are my favorite people. Yo, man, there's, there's these lost books that they don't want you to find. Motherfucker, you ain't found them. What are you talking about? Like, how you going to tell me about something? That you haven't found. How you gonna tell me that something exists that you never even heard of? Because you saw it on a YouTube video? Man, oh, listen. Those people are hilarious. I Man, the best part of my career is that I've walked around with like a lot of things that people don't know about entertainment sports. Like, I forged relationships with people and I've never told some of the shit that I know. Never. Never shared it because I'm not that type of person. But it's always great to go into a barbershop and listen to people tell you things. And it, like they tell you with so much confidence that they're true. Well, you know, such and such did this because of this and this and this. And I always say, like, you never know who you're in the room with. And you never know. Like, you're telling me, like, be sure of your facts. And I just listen to people say shit. And I'm like, that didn't happen. And I, every so often... I'll tell people, like, that shit ain't happen. And they'll be like, how do you know? And sometimes I have to pull rank. Or there's been many times where I've been in a barbershop. And, like, one of my boys, he knows what I do. Like, this one thing about Vegas. It's like, Vegas people don't give a shit about me. So, but there's there's some people who know what I do. And, I, you know, one of my boys cuts my hair, well, my beard. And I'm listening to people talk about boxing. And I can't remember what the subject was. But they were, like, so sure about certain things. And... I looked at him and I was just like, that shit ain't gonna happen. And he was like, yeah, I know. He was like, but just listen, let him go. And I just let him talk. Then I started asking questions. I was like, yo, how do you know that? And it was like some Floyd Mayweather shit. Well, Floyd told me. I was like, nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that didn't happen, bro. That didn't happen. <laughs> but, people, but this is like the Kanye West thing. You assume people don't know shit. So you spew your conspiracy theories that are based on nothing. The Harriet Tubman thing is Kanye, something that Kanye probably heard from somebody else who didn't know shit, but it sounded so good he thought he'd share it. Mm-hmm. And he's sharing it, and then he gets lit up for it, and he was like, no, but come on, man. Like, the, the concept was like, because here's, here's, here's a train of thought. This is the train, and it's very low on coal and fuel, so it doesn't get very far. The train basically says, well, yeah, Harriet Tubman had this underground railroad that freed the slaves. And then the question is, well, where did the slaves go after that? Now, some slaves, yes, they went back to being slaves because they couldn't make a living because there was nowhere to go. There was no infrastructure created for black people to go and immediately make an income and a living and find a place to live once they were free. Now, some traveled north and did, but some did not. 
But to the dumbasses, they go, well, that bitch just, uh, she just led him to the white man. Like, where did you get this? How did you get this? Because this is what they think. They was like, well, they were slaves. That's Harriet Tubman's fault. That's not how this shit worked. That's not how this shit worked. So, yes, nah, you, listen they... to, you listen to Kanye, you listen to Trump, who gets banned from Twitter, like, it's <laughs> because he's spewing fallacies. And then people are just like, well, he's got a point. No, he doesn't. He's wrong. He's wrong. So, yeah, here we go. Kanye West is trying to get written under balance to take away the vote from Joe Biden. This shit ain't going to work. It's just going to look really stupid. I can't say Oh, definitely. This. Yeah, I, I don't think the people who rush out there are necessarily the ones that were going to vote anyway. So I think you're 100% right on that. They're the ones who buy a $100 fucking fleece hoodie that has three letters on it that he sells at his concerts. Yeah. Well. Like, and they're probably $300. I might be lowballing that. I've had so, enough Kanye, please. Yeah, those those are those people. Um, now, funny enough, like, and we'll go on to your next favorite guy, Jason Whitlock, oh, in a second. God. But yeah, it's not slowing down. But uh, I have friends, and I remember in like 2016, and there's like long-standing friends, um, and there's two of them. And I think I remember in like 2016, they were like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna vote for Trump," or "Yeah, Trump," and they're just Republicans, right? So cool, whatever. They are like, you know, served in military, pro-gun, all this shit. Mind you, they are not white. They are, uh, I believe, one generation removed from immigrant families. But whatever. So they're like, yeah, I'm voting for Trump. I like some of the stuff. So, he, you know, he did sell, you know, gun owners uh, kind of a, a story that they can believe in, that they'd have more rights and blah, blah, blah. So whatever. So they were heavy into Trump. And I was like, yo, you really voted for him? I thought it was stupid then. But they really didn't know much outside of like two points on why they were voting for him. But it was funny because the other day I see a message on like their Facebook or a, a post on their Facebook where there's was like, you have to watch this immigration documentary on Netflix. Oh my God, I can't believe that this is happening. It brought tears to my eyes. They're ripping people from families and all this shit. And, um... This is like the Mexican half of my of the friends so of the two, and I'm just like, you didn't think that this was happening, and how do you feel knowing your vote effectively did this? Because you see all these people get sent back to Mexico's hardworking dads, all this shit, kids crying, and it's like that was the build the wall Trump that you voted for, but you would never know. I don't think they've mentioned it again in two years. And you would never know that this same person had voted for Trump. And I feel like we're going to get a, a, a rush of these people who are disassociating themselves from past votes for Trump. Because that shit just over my I was like, yo, you were just pushing his narrative two years ago. But you see this and you act like it didn't. You didn't know it was happening. And they're Mexican. It's like you got family in Mexico. And then I remember thinking of a conversation we had on the show where it was like, you know, I'm not the good blacks. You know, I'm not one of the good blacks, quote unquote. Right? It's like, no, like, I'm, I'm here, I'm about this shit. It's like, I'm not your black friend that you can be, oh, that's my black friend. No, I'm not that guy. But it, it was funny because I laughed. I was like, they probably, and listen, Mexican, but have tons of money. 
Their family owns a company. He, like, always spoiled, rich, cool. But I started laughing. I was like, I think they really thought they were one of the good Mexicans. Yeah. And this now opened their eyes to, holy shit, this is happening. Yeah. And just had no clue. that. And that's the people he preys on. That's the people Kanye preys on. And all it took was a Google search. All it took was reading a book to know what his stance on immigration would do. And it took a Netflix documentary, because people don't read, to open their eyes. Yeah. It's, uh, well, this Incredible. is why, you know, I think it's really, like, I'm very much into media because I spent a majority of my entire childhood, like, in front of a TV and reading books. Uh, it's just the way that I grew up, you know, aside from being out on the streets and being a young savage. But that was, <laughs> the vast majority of my life was in front of TV. And I was introduced to Garvey and Malcolm and Martin through, like, Boogie Down Productions and Chuck D. And, you know, cinema made me interested. Like I said, I've mentioned on the show before, like, I wanted to go to Morehouse because of Outcast and Trey from Boys in the Hood. That's what got me into it. Like, I was like, what's that? They, they got colleges for black people? You know, it's before the internet. Like, I know some of you list never like didn't live your life without the internet, but this is before the internet. I had no clue. I what I watched on TV came on at a certain time. There was no TiVo, there's no streaming services. I had no clue. So media was really important to how I grew up. So I take a very uh, hard stance on where I am in media and why I push the messages I push because I think representation is important. And being able to inform through media with some kind of entertainment is the way to kind of turn the light bulb on for some people, make them want to learn more. Because if they're not exposed to it, they have no idea. So when we talk about people who voted for Trump or they thought they were the good Mexican, they see these documentaries. These documentaries need to exist because people don't read. And maybe it'll give them the opportunity to say, you know what, I should pick up a book because I feel like a complete dumbass for voting for Trump. Because you can fix yourself. Shit, Malcolm went to jail. He was a pimp. Look how he came out. You could, you could rehab in your image and figure it out. But I think media is so important into introducing things to people that makes you want to learn more. Because it's only like half the step. Like I could talk about all kinds of stuff on this podcast. Maybe there's some people listening to this show right now that didn't know or even think about when Tubman freed the slaves, where they going? Why did some of them go back to being slaves? And maybe some of you will go, you know what? I want to verify what Andrea says because I don't want any of you taking my word for it. I want you to go and be like, maybe I should read about that and figure it out. So a lot of people vote based on based on passion and uh, religion and things that matter to them. A lot of people don't vote on things that matter to other people. That's why the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor. Rich people, once you get rich, especially when you look at black people who become rich or people who came from poverty who became rich, a lot of them don't look back because it, it's against their financial interests. So, for some, it's like, well, I'm just voting for me. And they look at this shit, and then they see it happen to other people, because that's like the real thing. That's why when I talk about race on this show, and I talk about telling our stories, because a lot of people don't even understand our story. They don't even think it exists. All they do is watch a few hood flicks and listen to some rap music, and then they know about us. But they don't, like, when I ask the questions, like, when we met racism, there were so many white people just like, I had no idea. Well, now you do. And now that you do, what are you going to do about it? So when it comes to voter education and when it comes to this election and when it comes to Kanye West, don't take my word for it. Take what I say as a challenge for you to educate yourself. 
Because you don't want to be the dummy in the room. There's nothing worse than being the, the village idiot. Don't be the village no. idiot. Don't be the dummy in the barbershop. No, man. <laughs> don't be that jackass. There's there's a lot of them. There's, there's a whole lot of them. Um, don't be the dummy in the internet. Jason Whitlock. So he comes out with this article for people who didn't see it across their timeline. This is your fault. You shared it in our group chat. I wouldn't have seen this. Thanks, thanks a lot, Kill. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. So he's talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, um, in particular, to kind of how it affects what's going on in the NBA, and then that sets him off on this tangent where he begins comparing the Black Lives Matter movement to the KKK and saying that it's like I forgot the exact quote what like the sister yes of the KKK and this whole long ass post was rambling about how black people are the ones actually holding back black people and how dare they at one point he goes into like you empowered the n-word yes so <laughs> Like, don't get mad at white people for doing this or stop searching for white people to justify you. Black people, we have to justify ourselves as though if we just said, you know what? Yeah, black people, go ahead. We, You have equality. We all wake up tomorrow and be like, you know what? We're equal. That it's all just going to go away. As though there's no infrastructures in place from others that make that a reality that we don't have. Nope, it's all our fault, he says. And we empower the white person to hold us down, or minorities in general empower the white people from holding us down. And Black Lives Matter is only pushing them further away, it's pushing us away from equality. Don't speak up. Just say tomorrow to yourself, not to anyone else, that we are equal and keep your mouth shut and it'll happen. Well, all right, so here's what I'll say. Because I try, I, I really do, guys. I really do. I try to see the other side of the argument. And <laughs> Whitlock's position starts with taking accountability for your own actions, right? And to me, this is the Bill Cosby pound cake argument, where Bill Cosby blames the black kid for stealing pound cake, and that's why he got shot. When nobody asked, why did he have to steal pound cake in the first place? Because he was hungry. Well, why is he hungry? Because he's poor and impoverished. Why are black people poor and impoverished in America? Nobody answers that particular question. Instead, they go right to the root of the issue. They go to this issue, not the root of it, the surface of it, and they blame that. And he says, take accountability for your actions. And the position he uses is, uh, wow, I can't think of it right now, what college it was, where the coach admonished one of his players for using the N-word, and he used the N-word uh, to tell him, like, don't say the N-word. And Clemson. It, was it Clemson? Mm-hmm. He said it was Clemson? Okay. Yep. So the players got upset because he used the N-word and didn't come to practice and protest it, right? Now, I am not on that side, right? When, when Whitlock brings that point up, I was like, well, yeah, protesting. If that's how it went down, yeah, I can see a point in saying, why are you mad at this coach and shit, right? Like, he's telling you not to use it in his locker room. He's the coach. Maybe there's some merit here. This is a little bit more than a black and white argument, right? Mm. I can see where somebody would say, yeah, don't be mad at the coach. I can see that argument. You can make a valid argument. I'd be like, all right, I can see that, right? I may not agree with it, but I can see that. But then it spirals into his agenda, 
And that's what he uses. Because I've said on this show, the reason why I don't use the N-word is because of this particular confusion. Because these idiots like Whitlock, now I'm not even call him an idiot, because Whitlock is actually a very intelligent guy who has learned how to manufacture arguments to profit off of black pain. He's not dumb like Kanye. Like no. Candace Owens isn't an idiot. She can make a compelling argument to a base of idiots. She knows how to do that. <laughs> Jason Whitlock kind of does the same. He's not an idiot. Like, I don't know if Kanye can complete a sentence if he wrote it, but Jason Whitlock, he can write an article that can be very persuasive. And I'm reading this article, and then he starts blaming black people, and he starts talking about George Floyd being responsible for what happened to him. It's the pound cake argument. No, no. George Floyd, in the recent video that came out, was pleading with the cops. And I can understand this argument if it didn't go the other way, where we see white people, like, chase cops with guns. We see white people do all this shit and nothing happens to them, but yet George Floyd is the one to blame, right? No, that's not how this shit works. You have to look at the system, and the system is fucked up. But when Whitlock goes out of his fucking mouth to say, Black Lives Matter is a sister organization of the KKK, one, the KKK was an organization basically to eradicate African Americans and minorities in general. Black Lives Matter is not here to eradicate or eliminate any other race. It's to preserve our own who are dying at the hands of law enforcement. These are two wildly different groups. Black Lives Matter also doesn't really have a face. There's not an outfit for Black Lives Matter. Yes, we wear t-shirts with a slogan, but we don't wear a hood and burn crosses on people's lawns. To make this argument is ridiculous. But alas, this is what Whitlock did, and there were people that agreed with him, which is nuts. But all I have to say is like, man, he's more dangerous to black people than a lot of white nationalists because he's a sheep in sheep's clothing who thinks he's a wolf. He's a coward. He is a coward. And y'all know, I'll say it to his face. <laughs> we almost It almost came to that. They're a fury wilder. Yeah. And it, he's going to pop up somewhere again. And I'm just going to be like, yo, my brother, you know you're wrong. Like, I, I just want to look him in the face and be like, yo, man, I'm just letting you know. I said it was on site. But at this point, I can't lose my job off of punch you in the face. But you got to know that you out here like Uncle Ruckus. Like, you, I just want you to know this. Like, look me in my eyes. And I want to let you know you fucked up. And that's it. I want to see what he says. Because to me, it's not a gimmick. People point to me at his old stuff when he was writing for the Kansas City Star. And he was on the same shit. So at this point, you are really Uncle Ruckus. Where you just completely forgot. Or you just never knew. That you are part of us. You're not black, you're OJ. And that's a problem. And that's where he writes from. It's, man, he writes from look, that man, core. I, you know, I believe that, you know, black people can have differing opinions, and it's okay. Like, we can't be a monolith. I can't tell everybody how to think. I can't tell everybody how to vote. I can't say that you can't be a black Republican. I can't say anything. I can't say any of those things. I would like you to be one way, but you're not. But when I look at Jason Whitlock, and I look at people like him, who profit from the pain of black people, where the only thing that you can talk about is against your own people, You're an agent. You're fed. You're a coward. Because if you're not good enough, like for me, yes, I talk about diversity and race, 
but I'm good at what I do, right? Like if you put me in here to, to write about, like to be an editor and do my job, I'm good at it. If you put me to write about the sports that I've covered and the music that I've covered, I'm good at it. You remove that aspect from me, I am good at my job. Is Whitlock not good enough at his job to do it? Where he, the only thing that we can, that we regularly talk about, not just here, but on social media in general, is the inflammatory remarks he makes about black people. That's the only thing he has. That's his calling card against his own people. Does he, he doesn't see this? No, he sees it because he's making money off of it. Candace Owens is making money off of this stuff. It doesn't pay to be, you know, contrarian for contrarian sake is what he's become. And now he just believes yeah. that shit. He's living it. He's a disgusting individual. Fuck him. <laughs> and you can always go to the well. That's what he's noticed. You can always go back to the well. Like, oh, I got a new site to launch, or oh, I'm writing for somewhere else. Let me just dip back into this because I know it's gonna trigger people. Yeah, and it's a damn shame, man. It's all he, all he has. So, all right. Now that I've effectively bummed us out by talking about Jason Whitlock, and still, if there's journalism, boxing, or people are pairing together, I'll take a shot at Whitlock. If we if we throw the headgear on and the gloves, I'm knocking him out through the headgear. No, no way he gets busy in the ring. So uh, if people are really setting that up, shit, there's wilder stuff. We're about to talk about exhibitions and Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. coming back. So one day for charity, there might be journalism boxing. And I let you know, Dre, don't worry about it. I got this. Knock it his big ass out. All right. <laughs> Put that on wax. <laughs> um, now, let's take a quick break. Hit up some of these ads. When we come back... We have to talk UFC before we talk about boxing. And UFC 4, the video games come out. Everyone who listens to this show knows that we're video game nerds. So we're going to take a look at some of the rankings. Who's ranked too high, who's ranked too low. And then we'll dive into this weekend's card. The Black Beast is headlining. Always good to see Derek Lewis back on television. So we'll get into that, make our predictions. You guys stay right there. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, have you heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. You know, you got to keep the whip fresh, and there's no better time to spend after the pandemic than rolling around showing off a new whip. So here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer on the item. If they don't, then it's yours. So if you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code CORNER or DealDash.FM CORNER. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash corner. All right, just that quick, we are back. And as promised, time to dive into combat sports. And we are starting with the UFC. And with the video game, UFC 4 is almost on its way a couple weeks out. They dropped the rankings, similar to how Madden does before the game comes out, and I have the top 20 here for you, Dre. I'm going to go down um, from 20 through 1, and then we'll talk about it. 
First, at number 20, surprising, Conor McGregor. Is it that number surprising? Number 20. Is that surprising? It, it is. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Conor McGregor's 20? And then um, 19, we have Jan. 18, Gaethje. 17, uh, Rose Namajunas. 16, Daniel Cormier. 15, TJ Dillashaw. 14, Jorge Masvidal. 13, Max Holloway. 12, Volkanovski. 11, Demetrius Johnson. Who's not even in the UFC, but whatever. Uh, 10, Usman. 9, St. Pierre. 8, Miocic. 7, Zhang. 6, Adesanya. 5, Cejudo. 4, Shevchenko. 3, Khabib. 2, John Jones. 1, Amanda Nunez. That is 20 through 1 real quick. Now, how is Conor McGregor only number 20? How high should he be? He should be ahead of TJ Dillashaw. I'll agree with that. I would say Dillashaw shouldn't be on this list. He's been suspended for two years. Yeah, but they're not. I think they're trying to take the entire career because Demetrius Johnson shouldn't be on here, but he's still licensed in the game. So that's why he's. That's fair, but even then, you have to question when was he not on the juice? Well, I mean, you can't really. So you can't really. So I got to take ratings away for that. It's hard to do because you know we say the same thing about uh, you know Canelo or I mean not not Canelo. Uh, well, yeah, Canelo, shit, because he got popped twice. Um, yeah. But you the say meat, the same thing. The Mexican meat. Yeah, Mexican meat. But we <laughs> say the same thing about a lot of fighters like Pacquiao. Like, well, yep. was he juicing? Was he not? So unless it's proven, you can't really take away from him. Same with Barry Bonds. I mean, this is proven. Like, what? he was juicing at one point. Yes, but that, and that was against Cejudo. He ended up getting knocked out. Uh, I agree so that Dillashaw should not be in the top 20. I agree that Connor should be higher than Dillashaw. I'll even say Connor should be higher than Masvidal. Um, yep. And some people will disagree with that. But I've gone back and said this a billion times because where I see Masvidal on this list at 14, who lost to Usman, and we're taking the entirety of his career, and the name that I don't see, I don't see Tony Ferguson on here. No, Ferguson should be in the top 20. You're absolutely correct on that. Um, Daniel Cormier being at 16 is egregious. Daniel Cormier being, this is the one that bothers me. Cormier, yes, he got stopped by Miocic. Yes, he's lost to John Jones. You know who else Daniel Cormier has lost to? Nobody. No, no. And that's two divisions. Yeah, I like, can't. This is bizarre to have him this And long. he's one and one with Stipe. So it's not like, okay, cool, he got stopped by Stipe. But he's also stopped Stipe. Yes, so they should be neck and neck, if anything, in which I would put Cormier ahead of Stipe because he's been champion in a whole nother division. Yeah. So, so if Stipe's at eight, DC is at six for me. So if you want to put him behind, I don't put him behind Shevchenko. So I would go Habib at three, Cormier at four, Shevchenko, then Cejudo. Uh, Adesanya is great, and his skills are incredible. But at six, I had a Daniel Cormier for going off of records and in the total career package. Adesanya is not above Cormier. I would leave Valentina at number four, and here's why. Because the gap between Valentina and the rest of that division is the biggest gap in talent in any division in the UFC. Ooh, bigger than John and the rest? Yes. John just had a competitive fight with Dominic Reyes. That was competitive. Okay. Yeah. Shevchenko has had not had a competitive fight at all. Outside of Amanda. And that's the only person she lost mm-hmm. to. 
Yeah, and barely lost him. So I'll give her number four because this is also this is like a combination of where they fight, when they fought, and their their at career accolades. And it's going to because I don't I don't know if I told you guys this, but I was in the the private EA sessions early when we, we revealed the game to us, and I did this whole piece on Sporting News about it. So these ratings are going to change after every pay per view. Uh, Cormier is going to be an advisor. They have a team that looks at the fights and they they'll move the rankings around. So this is not firm. I guarantee you, by the time this game comes out, which is right around Stipe versus DC, the result of that fight is going to drastically change where Stipe and DC go on this on this uh this rankings list. So things will change, but the top four I have no problem with at all. I don't have a top four. I don't have a top four is cool. Like Nunez deserves to be number one. She absolutely deserves it. She has annihilated two divisions. John has had a tougher time recently, which is why I don't have a problem putting like Nunez has been untouchable. Yeah, she's beaten every champion possible. Yeah. Like outside of going to champions from you know one fifteen, she's she's the goat. She, so you know she's obliterating people. And Khabib yeah. at number three is really due to more to activity and level of competition than anything else. He's been dominant, but he hasn't fought a ton of people. When he fights Gaethje, we'll get a better read on where Khabib is. But number three is totally fine because he's been absolutely dominant. Shevchenko, Agreed. I already mentioned, biggest gap. Cejudo at five, I'm not necessarily going to argue with this because this man has won titles in two divisions. Yep, dominant. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to argue with this. <laughs> dominant wins. Yeah. Uh, Adesanya at six. I'm not upset with this because of the current run that he's on. The current run that he's on, he beat Joel Romero. He beat Robert Whitaker. He beat Kelvin Gastelum. And he's about to fight Boracina. So until he fights Boracina, I'm kind of fine with this. Willy Zhang hasn't fought enough people. The Joanna fight, incredible. But this is fine. Yeah. Stipe, I think Stipe's ahead of both of them. Yeah, I don't know, man, because Stipe did lose to D.C., so the gap yeah, he's between arguably the greatest heavyweight of all time. <laughs> it's it, I mean the gap between the two. I think this is why that they're at where they're at, and I think it'll change depending on the outcome of their fight. Because the gap Agreed. in their division is really between them two. If you look at the top fighters on this list, you won't find another person in their division till much further down. No, I would put Connor right behind Stipe at nine. I wouldn't put him that high. Yeah, so I Connor's I ahead put, of Usman. I wouldn't put so Connor. So GSP is the legends category. So cool. GSP is nine. Connor would be ten. Yeah, I, I just in a what have you done for me lately scenario, it's hard. Again, I, I as much as I think Connor has been incredible, it's hard. I mean, to, he won lately, and then yeah, be, he lost to yeah. the number three guy on the list. But again, it's like all right, he fought, he beat Donald Cerrone, so he got beat by Khabib, which everybody does. We don't really know who Connor is. We really don't. Because he had a hard time with Nate Diaz, who's nowhere near this list. And, and Masvidal beat Diaz. And was hurting okay, but him. He beat him. He was. I mean, and Connor was. Connor dropped him three times. Yeah, I know, but he was he as. Like, Masvidal was on his way to stopping Diaz in that fight. Correct, because the guys. You know, of a good size, yeah, but, Connor. But I'm saying was going up to 170 for the first time. So yeah, that's it's a three division jump for where he was originally champion. Not everyone could do that. No, but I'm not going to give him credit for for having a hard time with a journeyman. I'm not. 
Nate Diaz is a gentleman. I will when it's three when it's three divisions. I'm not two divisions higher than what you fight. I'm not. You I, you yeah. took the fight. It's on you. Dare to be great. I appreciate it. I think it's excellent. But where is this? Also asks like what division is Connor fighting in? So I think Connor should be higher in this list. Do you think Connor should be higher than Gaethje? Yes. I think Connor is higher than Gaethje. I think even though it's hard to say with this Tony Ferguson win. But I put Connor above Gaethje. Um, you look at Gaethje's, what, his last loss was Poirier. His two losses in the UFC are to two people Connor knocked out. Sure. But in what have you done so, for me lately, society? Do you think. Okay, but Connor knocked him out. Do you think. Like, that's, I'm just saying, do you think Connor just, beats Justin Gaethje now? I, no, I, I'm not sure if Habib beats Justin Gaethje. He's a horrible style matchup for a lot of people. Yeah. I'm not positive Connor beats him. I, I think Connor stands a good chance of knocking him out. Yeah, but Connor also stands a good chance of getting steamrolled by him. Yeah. So, um, but no, I think Connor could knock him out. Yeah. I mean, Gaethje has been knocked out. He's been rocked a lot. So, it's a matter of what can you do to actually get the ref to stop it. Because I'm not sure Gaethje's just going to be flat out. You know? Like, it, I think it could play out similar to the Eddie Alvarez situation, though. Where he drops Gaethje like three or four times. Because Justin Gaethje's an animal. He's just going to walk forward. Like um, The leg kicks would be the difference. I guess, so, so my only argument against... My only argument for Connor on this list is, is the what have you done for me lately. He lost yeah. Khabib and he beat Donald Cerrone. He hasn't beaten anybody like worth noting in a while in in a while but he has wins over max holloway yeah well shit. like so I mean, how long it was a long was time ago i can't give him but a win that. is a win yeah but i what but, you can't take i no, can't just like, I, erase something from someone's resume no i'm not erasing it but what i'm saying is it holds no merit in his current status like max that's unfair i can't dude you beat max like, i give floyd credit for beating canelo and we know that's not the Canelo of today. But yeah, he called but, Baby Canelo. But you obviously but he still but, beat Baby but, Canelo. But Floyd was an aging guy who everybody said shouldn't fight Canelo, and then he went out there and danced all over. That's different. Max Holloway was very early in his career, and it's obvious Max Holloway's not even close to who he was, who he is now. So with, with Conor, but that was Canelo. Yeah, that's the exact very early in his career. Yes, wasn't close to where he is now. Yeah, and then he went out there and handled business against him. I don't understand how it's any different. Here's why it's different. Because Floyd has never lost. So there's nothing you can put up against Floyd to say, well, this, th- you can't. There's nothing. There's nothing yeah. there. Connor has lost since then. Max has had one of the greatest featherweight runs of all time. So in a yeah. what have you done for me lately scenario, I can see Max being h- higher than Connor. Because, and it's only because Connor hasn't really fought, any, hasn't had a big, notable win in several years. I can't count yep. Cowboy and I can't count Diaz. They're good wins, but when you when you're you know slicing Adams when you're doing these top twenty lists because Gaethje's beat Ferguson, Yan beat Aldo and has been undefeated. Naman Yunus, Cormier, and eh, Dillashaw. Uh, even even Masvidal like blitzing Ben Askren like he did. Yeah, he should probably slide down because he lost to Usman, but whatever. Holloway, Volkanovski, DJ. It's hard to look at the last three years and see where Connor fits into that conversation. And it's that's fair. It could change. His wins before then are pretty fucking impressive. Yeah, Poirier, Holloway, prime Jose Aldo, Eddie Alvarez. When 
it's like one fight you jump up and you blitz a guy who is champion who beat Justin Gaethje and he was still who he was. It's not like he was, you know, shot before he fought Connor. Connor has four really, really good wins where it's hard to say, you know, Masvidal has four wins of that caliber. Dillashaw has four wins of that caliber. Um, Rose Navayunas has four wins of that caliber. Gaethje has four wins of that caliber. No. Tony Ferguson is his best. And we were like, oh, who is Tony fought? We knew the hell Aldo fought. Aldo hadn't lost in forever, and Conor starched him. No. So, I mean, it's a lot of people don't have wins like that. I get that, but this is EA 4. If this was EA UFC 3, sure. This is EA UFC 4, where a lot of time has passed between those victories. And that's why I think Conor's getting knocked. And I know he would be upset about it, but if Conor just goes out there and beats somebody in the top 10, 10? Yeah. Then, yeah, we can re- revisit this conversation. But like I said, I don't know who Connor is anymore. I'm not saying he's w- worse. It's just he hasn't fought a significant opponent like the rest of these guys have. Yeah. I mean, he handled business against Cerrone. The only thing you can ask of him, I mean, for, for whatever reason, we saw Cerrone be at least competitive in other fights around the Connor fight. True? I mean, he went in there and starched him. Yeah, I mean,. That's, so that's all you can add. He, he, now he's yeah. waiting for a title. It's, level of comp- and, it's college and football. Now Dana, it's college football. Yeah, and now, now Dana can't afford to pay him until there is fans. So let's just keep it funky. Yeah. I mean, it's co- so, this is college football. This is the BCS. What have you done for me lately? Who have you beat? I don't care what you did last season. What are you doing now? Okay. So I'm not mad at where Connor's at on this list. I think he should be a little higher. But I can see the argument that says, well, shit, man, what are, what are we scoring this off of? Everybody yeah. here has got a signature victory in the last two to three years. Connor does not. He's really getting rewarded for his past. Yeah, and when health, I mean, GSP is on the list. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, you know, past. G, I mean, again, past if GSP had lost on his way out, I could see arguing against him. But GSP beat Hendricks, took some time off, came back, and beat Michael Bisping and won the title. So, yeah. I have nothing to no, hold like against that. him. No, yeah, I'm not mad at that. I'm just saying, like, that wasn't yesterday either. You know, Demetrius Johnson is in a different promotion, granted, but he his last UFC fight was also a loss to say Cejudo. So you you put that there, it's like, all right. Um, even though, still, I don't think he lost, but whatever. That is still a stain on his UFC record, so they're going at a point overall career so I think Connor gets bumped up a notch. If he's not in the top ten, like I have him, cool. But under Masvidal is is way too crazy. Masvidal, who had a great year and a great push, but I don't even know who his best win is. Askren, Askren, and then what? I mean, you know, like Askren, Till? Diaz, Till. It's pretty big wins. Like he's had again. What have you done for me lately? It's a pretty good run. It's a pretty good run. It's not a great run. I think he's a little too high. But compared to what Connor's done the past two years, Masvidal's got it better. But Masvidal, again, you know, it's like, do you do you uh, disqualify him for his losses pre- previously? Everything's about momentum in MMA. Everything. Robbie That's Lawler. Right. And now that I know it's a sliding scale. Yeah. It'll change. I like that. It'll change. Yeah. The living rosters will be updated periodically like after every pay-per-view they're gonna you know revisit and guys will move up and down which makes the game a whole lot more fun i've always loved that about video games where the players that you play with actually are identical in some ways to who they are because like rookies in nba 2k 
Like, they'll have these great ratings, and it'll be bust, and then they'll go in, and then they'll lower the rating. Like, Mar- yep. Markel Fultz was a guy who had a high rating in NBA 2K, and they was like, nah, he's not that good. <laughs> and they slid his ass <laughs> right back down. So the same yep. thing in MMA. If, uh, if Israel loses, Paulo Caso will have a higher rating than him. I like that. I like the game changes with that. No, that's smart. I like that, too. Um, let's talk about actual UFC and MMA because we had some of that as well, not just video game stuff. Um, they're back at the Apex in Vegas, so it was cool. I liked the small cage. I like it better than the Fight Island cage, the normal one, which makes me think, why not just put the small cage on Fight Island? Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, why not? You don't have to have the full cage um but last week we saw the return and it led to upset after upset after upset to the point of we sucked at choosing these last yeah, week yeah we did it was horrible so i went with lando venata i think you did say no bobby I, went, green. I went with bobby green so i got that you one. went bobby yeah. smart so you got bobby and i got vicente um, as well yeah i thought vicente was gonna win that fight but then in the co-main and the main shit we thought, oh, Joanne Calderwood, she's in line for a title fight. She doesn't have to fight. She just wants to keep busy. Turns out Jennifer Maya is not the one to keep busy against. Wrapped her ass up in an arm bar, tapped her in the first round, and you got to feel for Calderwood, who's right there. But at the same time, if you can't beat Jennifer Maya, you're probably not going to beat Shevchenko. No. but I, So I can only feel so bad for you. Yeah, it's... Uh... We said it. It's like, hey, you want to fight uh, Shevchenko or you want to take another fight and make some money? And she was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to lose to her anyway. So if I take this fight and I win, I make some more money. If I don't, oh, well, because I'm going to get my head knocked off anyway. But I didn't expect it to go like this. Calderwood just got, I mean, quick takedown. Yeah, quick takedown, a little bit of ground and pound, and then stuck in the arm bar, and that was a wrap. And... It's crazy because Dana White is like, oh, yeah, Jennifer Maya, next title shot. Uh, no, Cynthia Calvillo's in the division. Like, <laughs> like, what are we doing? I I get why Dana says at press conferences, like, I shouldn't book fights directly after fights. Because we ask yeah. all the time, who's next? And he goes out, if you go off of emotion of what you just saw, then you're just, like, discrediting the person who's ranked ahead of her and still is. So, Maya, I don't think she deserves a title shot. She just lost to Caitlin Chukagian as well. So, but that division is a mess. It's it's a rat race to see who's gonna get beat up. <laughs> That's it. Shevchenko um, put out a video yesterday, just training in her garage, and it was the scariest shit I've seen all year. She's fighting a man. I don't want to fight her. She kicked my ass. Nah, no. Yeah, I'm not fighting bullet. That's fucking crazy. Like she's just a different animal. She and I'm not sure if anyone in that division is ready for her. Still, like, the division's supposed to catch up to people. I just don't see it happening. It'll, <laughs> like, it'll it's, eventually it's happen. It's just not anytime soon. Yeah, not not right now. Someone's really going to have to test her on the ground. And I don't see how anyone gets close enough right now to even attempt to take her down. So then in the main event, uh, it was a showcase, let's just be real, for Edmund Shabazian. And Derek Brunson said, ah, you thought? And Brunson came out um, and really showed that that grown-ass man strength. That it was just all veteran savvy, and Edmund got taken to a place he hadn't been, and he had to work from a point of 
you know, being down and kind of being outsmarted, and he just couldn't change the game plan. And Brunson worked him, getting the KO in the third round. This Derek Brunson is the epitome of gatekeeper, and I don't yeah. mean this in a negative way whatsoever, uh, because now he is the true litmus test. If he can't beat him, you ain't gonna fight for the title. And he's beat, he's had some good victories, and then he's had some devastating losses. Like he is literally standing in front of the gate and was like, "Hey, you want in? All right, let's see what's up." <laughs> and then he either kicks your ass or you knock his head off. Adesanya, he was gatekeeping. Adesanya beat his ass, and people were like, "All right, he's for real." Edmund wasn't ready, maybe no. ready at a later date, but Brunson smothered him, took him in the deep water, drowned his ass. Wasn't ready for that. His Edmund had just been steamrolling the competition, and I, I, I know I predicted a quick knockout. Brunson wasn't having that shit. So good for him. Uh, I don't know where Brunson goes from here. You know, I know he's angling for another title shot. Well, not another title shot, a title shot. Title shot, yeah. But uh, but he got worked by the champions. So you yeah, got you got a long. There's way levels to, go. to this shit. Go fight your Romero. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, and what well, we just saw Robert Whitaker put in a great win two weeks ago. Even yeah, though I didn't have him winning. Yeah, and then now he's turning around and he's angling to get a title shot again. Um. That fight was just signed, right? Whitaker versus... Oh, shit. I know I'm going to kick myself to see who he's fighting next. But it's a relative number one contenders match. I'm going to let you... Come on. Think about it. Who's been on the roll? Who said some crazy shit on Twitter recently? That should be a big hint. Really? A lot of people say some crazy no, shit on Twitter. No, no. They, like, they had his tweets pulled up. Jared Cannon here. Oh, Cannon here. Oh, yeah. He went off the deep. <laughs> that was like because of conspiracy <laughs> shit. Spirits. Theory shit, like no, he went like super hotep. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a wild boy right now. Nah, nah, yeah, I forgot about that. That's a hell of a fight, though. Oh, that's gonna be a great fight. That's so. Cannoneer is weird because he's just so much bigger. The weight loss and fluctuation between divisions is crazy. Yeah, and then now he's just so much bigger and stronger than him. Yeah, like middleweight is a it's an interesting division. Whitaker, Costa, Cannoneer, Jack Hermanson, who went out there and just submitted Kelvin Gaslam super quick. Darren Till's still there. Derek Brunson. Yeah, this is a pretty good division. Everyone's built so differently. I know. Like, middleweight's so weird. Because like, you look at a guy like Boricina, and you're like, he's not a heavyweight? But then you, you have guys like Gaslam who just phased out of the weight class underneath them. Yeah, it's just too big for it. Of welterweight. Like, so you have some guys who look like legit welterweights who just phased out. Like, you know what? I want to fight at natural weight. Then you guys have guys like Till and Borchina who could be heavyweights in a blink. So that shit's crazy. It's such a weird division. And then Adesanya just long and gangly as your champion. So everyone's so different in that division. That's what makes for, you know, great matchups, uh, you know, for the next year and further. It's going to be fun to watch. And let's go to this weekend's card and make predictions, you know, a little bit better than we did last last week. Um, main card headlined by Derek Lewis and Alexi Olenek this week. But there's some good fights underneath that, including uh, Darius is fighting. Yep. Scott Holtzman, I like that fight a lot. And I think Darius gets the win here. And he's a guy that, uh, again, not a gatekeeper, but he always gets so close. And then something fucks him up. And then he has to earn it all over again. 
Yeah, I mean, Darius is on a nice winning streak. Uh, you know, since what did he do? I think he was like lost two in a row, something like that. Um, but he's he's always he's a good fighter. He's not yeah, he's not a gatekeeper per se. But I think uh, this will be a good fight against Holman. But yeah, I'm picking Darius. Yeah, Darius is on a four fight winning streak, and before then lost to Alexander Hernandez. Like got knocked out, and you're like, Yo, Darius, that's the fight you should win. Before then, got knocked out by Edison Barbosa. Yeah, like Darius, I mean, well, the Alex Hernandez loss was because a lot of people thought Alex Hernandez was on the rise, and then Alex Hernandez ran into Cowboy, and Cowboy was like, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, Darius, like, again, Darius is one of those guys who looks like he has the goods and he can go on a run at any time. So we'll see if it starts here. Well, if it continues here. Yep, and then next one, uh, Kuniskaya is fighting, which, cool. I, I don't know what bantamweight is looking like, to be honest. The women's divisions at the top are very weird to me right now. Well. Because you need new blood, but I'm not sure if anyone's really working themselves into those positions. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, this isn't to see who's going to be the number one contender, so it's just kind of moving. No, by no means, but they. it's just one of those people, like, where you look at Kuniskaya and it's just like, you need a new challenge. Yeah. And Storylenko is a woman who's been on the run in the Invicta. It's her UFC debut. I think she's like submitted like five or six, last six opponents. So it could be a fun fight. Um, Kuniskaya is going to want to keep it standing. Uh, I'm going to go with the newcomer, though. I think we need some new blood in this division. And, you know, Kuniskaya had lost to Aspen Ladd, I believe. And, uh,. Yeah, she can kind of move on. So let's see somebody new. See what happens. That's always the key. We just need new blood in that division. Because Amanda, I I don't know who she fights there. Because Megan, Megan Anderson, I think that's a good matchup for 145, right? You you have these other matchups that could happen at 145, and that's kind of cool. I think that's where Amanda kind of lives for now. But sooner or later, she got to defend the 135-pound title. She will. She'll defend about against somebody that she's gonna destroy. It's it's gonna Yeah, that's yeah, it's like who's the best at one thirty five outside of her? Durant? They will probably have an interim title. Really? I'm saying this now. Because Nunez is gonna take a break because that baby's coming. Yeah, maternity yeah, maternity leave. So if she's taking a break, they're gonna have to find somebody who can be the number one contender and build them up by putting a fake belt on them. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah, okay. I just I guess Duranime is the next best. It, it's tough. Holly Holmes floating around still. Yeah, it's such a weird division. There's no new blood though. Um, and then the next fight, what we have Patolo versus Darren Stewart. All right. I mean, I just want to see a stoppage. And this is one of those like this is <laughs> it's all shitty, but this is my family f- feud method. Where it's like, I don't really care about either team, so I just got to root for the black team. <laughs> uh, th- like, let's be real. This is yeah. what you do when you watch Family That's Feud. True. Like, I don't fucking know these two people. I got to root for the black team. So, Darren Stewart gets my vote. Yeah, and then just don't go out there and embarrass us. That was always my Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Like, it's like, I don't care personally either way. So, yeah, I got to root for the black yeah, team. So I, um, I Co-main, Chris Weidman. A lot of shit has changed. Chris Weidman has one of the most interesting careers in MMA. And I think history. Because his highs are so high. And then it went so 
low so fast. Yeah. But only because that level of competition. Like, he couldn't stay at that level of competition. But he was like the golden boy after Silva. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm going to pick him to win, but only because I want to see him have another run. I'm not. I think it's over for Chris Ryman. He's 36 is old. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, he's lost five of his last six, all Damn. by stoppage. All by stoppage. It's a lot of damage. The man was 13 and 0 before that. Beat Anderson Silva, Lyoto Machida when he was champion, and then he knocked out Vitor Belfort. And we started talking about, hey man, is Chris Weidman the greatest middleweight of all time? And then he ran into Luke Rockhold. And then he got kicked kneed in the face by Romero. Then he got kneed by Musasi. Then he beat Kelvin Gaston with an arm triangle. Then he got knocked out by Jacare. Then he got knocked out by Reyes in a light heavyweight fight. Omar Akhmedov is not somebody you want to mess with. Omar's got hands. Yeah. Chris Ryman's losing this fight. And it's they do him no favor. It might be time to say <laughs> goodbye. I mean, th- yeah, this has been one of the most fascinating runs in recent memory. Because even Jose Aldo strung together wins even when he was falling down. Weidman yeah. losing five of six all by knockout is insane. To go for, like, that's that's worse than Roy Jones. Roy Jones got knocked out and was like, man, he gets knocked out every fight. But then he won a few fights. Like, he beat Jeff Lacey. I think he beat Tito Trinidad. Then he got knocked out again. Weidman has lost five or six fights all by knockout. That's nuts. It's over. It's it could be done. I mean, one more run, hopefully. But I don't even see him climbing the ladder. We just talked about the middleweight division. Nope. That shit's scary at the top. Yeah. He, no. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This it's a rough way to go out, man. Rough way to go out. So we'll see. Pulling for Weidman. You know, my biggest thing is, and it's stupid, but it's one thing that I really like. It, it pains me, and I, this is how I know I'm getting old especially in the sport of MMA, is I hate when I see people have to retire and I love their entrance songs. Oh, yeah, Don't Back Down, the Tom Petty. Oh, it's so great. Like, the, the entrance gives you fucking goosebumps. Yeah. Like, so when I look at, like, Uriah Faber, I miss that entrance. Yeah, I agree. I miss the Ronda entrances. Like, um, Anderson Silva entrance. Even though this last time he came out to some wild shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like just those classic entrances. I'm, I'm gonna miss the DC entrance, even though it makes no sense. Yeah, and it's stupid and corny. But I guess Lil Wayne, he's from Louisiana, cool. But I'm gonna miss that entrance. It's like so synonymous with him that, honestly, these young kids. I, what new fighter has an iconic entrance? Right now, nobody yet. I figured no one, right? I figured Adesanya does dance shit, but it's not like I. Re- Relate him to a specific song. Well, yeah, it's not like uh, Frankie Edgar coming out to kick in the door, which is nuts. Nope. It, bananas. Incredible. Um, Jose Aldo dropped Run This Town. That's why he got worked. <laughs> <laughs> he went to fucking Brazilian MMA. You deserve to lose the title shot. How dare you not come out to Run This yeah, Town? Yeah, I'm really thinking, like, who has a significant, memorable entrance that they use for everyone? Somebody's going to say something because I can't think of one right now. Yeah, not one of these young kids. Like, I, I don't know what Masvidal comes out to. Not that he's young, but, you know, he's, like, a newer star. Yeah, like, ca- I don't have Cowboys, and he's old, and yeah, they all had these and significant entrances. Huh. Yeah, but I, I don't know anyone new 
that has that. Yeah. You young guys need to figure it out because I like entrances. I like the pageantry you're fighting. So. Oh, yeah. I, that's one of the best things. Um, who came out to Easy e Or you always change it up to... Oh, some gangster shit. That's a... Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Fuck. Jeremy Stevens. I can't believe Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens. He always has good gangster shit that he comes out yeah. to. Pac, all that stuff. But yeah, none of these young kids. They're slipping. So I'm going to miss that if Weidman gets rocked again and it's six out of seven. If it's six out of seven, you got to retire. No, you got to go, man. You got to go. Yeah, just go be a coach. Yeah. Like, it's cool. It's rap. Coach Funkmaster. Um, and then we have main event, Derek Lewis versus Alexi Olenek. Uh, Give me a black beast. Yeah, Fuck it. Give me the black. If it goes anywhere past round three, though, it's going to get ugly. I mean, look, there's always the distinct possibility with Alexi Olenek that he pulls out that goddamn Ezekiel choke. You'll choke it. Wraps him up. But I don't think, like, this fight may absolutely suck. Because Lewis is not going to go anywhere near the ground with Olenek. So he's going to stand there, and I don't think Olenek's going to be very interested in engaging. Remember, Olenek just fought and beat Fabrizio Verdun in a stinker. Right, so it's like, yep. And you, you were cherry, like he got the better of Verdum in the stand-up, which was surprising to a lot of people. But Verdum's just like looks completely washed until what he did just recently. Verdum, I mean, can't figure that guy out. But he's not going to engage in a striking match with Derek Lewis, and Derek Lewis is not going to the ground. This fight might be five rounds of trash, or somebody's getting knocked out super early. I'm going to go with Derek Lewis, though. One way or another, he'll be a little bit more active. He won't be dumb enough to go to the ground. And if he is, he'll get submitted. But he'll win by hooker, crook, and stinker, or thinker. Whatever the hell happens, he's going to win this fight. He looks in good shape. Yeah, This is the best shape I've seen him in. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, so we'll we'll see that. I need Derek Lewis to win because I still need the Derek Lewis versus Greg Hardy fight. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. I forgot if Greg won in this fight. I need that shit. Dana knows we need that. To hell with rankings. This is the fight I need. I mean, to hell with rankings anyway. Nobody cares. All right. We blew through our rankings pretty quick. Hopefully, we're better this week than we were last week. You guys stay right there. Another quick break, and then we're coming back, talking boxing to wrap up the show. Don't go anywhere. All right, everybody. Another short break. But first, we have to let you know, sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball has finally kicked off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, as promised, just that quick, we are back. Shout out to all the sponsors, as always. Shout out to the network, Blue Wire, as well. It's time to talk boxing to wrap this up. And boxing, we've had a couple fights. It was nice to see your people at the zone at the zone come back. 
which was really cool. We'll talk about Eddie Hearn in a second. Um, Fox is about to return this weekend. Showtime came back last weekend as well. It's cool to see everyone get going. Top Rank comes back, comes back again next week on ESPN. So boxing is really ramping up again. And we have a good slate of fights that should be coming down the pipe in the next month, month and a half. So plenty to talk about. This is kind of the last lighter week that we have. But there was a fight announcement I want to talk to you about, Dre. And that is Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. is coming back to the ring for an exhibition. Fuck it. Why not, right? If we're getting weird, let's get all the way weird. I mean, he's fighting Jorge Arce. His kids are fighting on the card. His weirdo... Chavez Jr. and Omar Chavez are both fighting. So <laughs> Chavez Jr. with the blonde hair. Yeah, head. he's just been weird. But, uh, I mean, the, I don't expect too much out of this. I mean, Arce is washed up as well. So it's this isn't Mike Tyson, Roy Jones. Um, no. Where I think they both have a lot to prove. This is just two guys from Mexico, make some money, get your kids on the card. You know, call it a night. And, you know, uh, I don't. I'm a watch. Yeah, I'll watch it. I mean, I love Julio Cesar Chavez. I hated him as a kid. I despised Chavez as a kid. When he beat Meldrick Taylor, really? I was going to cry. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I despise I like Chavez, but, I mean, my grandma liked all Spanish fighters, unless they were fighting a Puerto Rican, and then... I just... With Chavez, it was like... As a kid, I've always rooted for the underdog. And I remember the first time I saw Julio Cesar Chavez's record, I said, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> like how many fights? He's He hasn't lost in this. <laughs> Somebody's got to beat him. And then, like, nobody could beat him. So, yeah... It wasn't Chavez's fault. I didn't appreciate him much later. Because then I also looked at his style, and it wasn't, like, flashy. It wasn't, like, bulldozing people like Tyson. Like, he was just methodically beating the shit out of people. And I was like, why can't anybody beat him? And he fought Meldrick Taylor. And Meldrick Taylor was super fast and skilled and Olympian. Beat his ass. Like, Meldrick was on top that whole fight. And then shit had happened. Things got different. And I realized at that point, I was like, oh, I get it now. So, yeah. I appreciate you. He didn't beat Sweet Pea, though. No, he didn't. He didn't. No, I've watched that fight several times all the way through. He ain't beat no, Sweet Pea. No, he didn't beat Sweet Pea. And it's like, yeah, Frankie Randall <laughs> ended up beating him. And the Frankie Randall fights, like, he, Frankie Randall's a trivia question now. Nobody talks about Frankie Randall. It should have been Sweet no. Pea that had that first victory. but Yep, and then De La Hoya washed him. Well, that wasn't even fair. I remember that, that fight will always be memorable to me because how much... Mexicans hated Oscar for that fight. Oh, the word. Yo, I had to clip this not too long ago. The way he was booed heading into that arena. Yo, and it was outside. It was the old school Caesars. And us being at multiple WrestleManias now, we know how hard it it is to really get that acoustic sound, right? Because you're outdoors, the sound travels upwards. The boos were so loud that I can only imagine in real life they were 20 times louder. Yeah. That shit's crazy. Oh, the Mexicans hate. And then he came out with the split flag. Oh, yeah. People are. Oh. Half America, half Mexico. Oh, I don't know why he did. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because, you know, it's what I think about when I see, like, Ryan Garcia. It's like Oscar was the American Mexican who, you know, both sides, like, you know, he was the golden boy, he was the pretty boy. Oscar doesn't get enough credit for fighting basically everybody. He just doesn't. Yep. He doesn't. And I'm not the biggest Oscar fan, but if you look at that man's resume, you're like, God damn, he fought everybody. And not he didn't he cherry pick f- opponents either. Even though the Chavez fight, a lot of people, including myself at the time, were like, ah, oh, man, Chavez is not the same Chavez. He's just going to beat the shit out of him. For the most part, Fernando Vargas, I Corte, 
moving up to fight Bernard Hopkins. Like, I mean, yeah, beat the shit out of Turo Gotti. But yeah. Oscar... He was gifted Sweet Pea, too. Yeah, man. like the Shane Mosley fights. Like, Oscar didn't have to fight a lot of these fights. Like, he could have picked his spots better and had a much better record when he retired. But he didn't. He fought everybody. And I'll forever give Oscar that kind of credit because he fought everybody. But the Chavez fight was one fight, like... I remember just looking, and I was just like, oh, they hate him. <laughs> I was like, God, they're going to kill him if he wins. It's crazy. And then the, the cut. I always wanted to talk to Ioli about that. Like, um, because I remember reading something Ioli did, but I never got to talk to him in person about it, about Oscar in the Olympics. Mm. And, like, the controversy of him fighting for the U.S. Yeah. Instead of Mexico. And, like, Ioli had this crazy piece, and I read it. I was like, this is fucking amazing. So I always wanted to talk to him about, like, you know, someone who lived that era. Like, yo, what was that shit like? Because like, Oscar, to me, in the Spanish culture, he was larger than life at that yeah. point. He was on telenovelas. Dude had an album. <laughs> yo, like, the like, real deal, like, fucking larger than life. It's the equivalent of Ryan Garcia having 7 million followers. Yeah. He, like, it just... No, they loved Crazy. Oscar. They loved Oscar, and then they hated, like... But hated Oscar. He was... Like, at the same time. He was the mainstream radio star who happened to be skilled. But he was, like, super mainstream. Chavez didn't speak English straight out of Mexico, Guadalajara. And here comes Oscar, and people were like, he's not a real Mexican. And that's why I've always wanted to do this piece on Canelo, because Canelo's a real Mexican from Guadalajara, poor. But that skin, the freckles, and the red hair, I know he wasn't accepted. Oscar, they just were like, oh, you traitor. That's how they felt about Oscar. But Oscar was a Mexican-American who had pride in both, whatever. But, yeah. But, yeah, Chavez, Chavez Arce is a fight that I would watch. It would be like the geriatric Olympics. I don't expect it to be entertaining <laughs> at all. And uh, But good for him. If they're making some money, I'm sure it's going to do extraordinarily well in Mexico. So he the guy's a folk hero out there. Oh, yeah. He works at ESPN Deportes. Yeah. He always sends us good content. His, his shit is wild, by the way. I like going through like his segments. So, uh, yeah, I'm still here for it, man. Chavez Sr., I don't know. His fight might be better than Junior's fight. Probably. I have no faith in Junior at this point. Nobody has faith in Junior. Not even Junior. No, so, not, not even Junior. Um, let's talk about some of the fights that actually came back. And DAZN came back last weekend. And Eddie Hearn is a real-life personification of Richie Rich. Yeah. So you look at that shit, and he just he built it in the backyard. He had pyro. How do you even get a license for pyro in your backyard? Oh. There's like rose bushes right Him there. Him and Drake, man. He had the touch like Drake's house in the Tussie Slide video. Like I watched it recently just because, and I, just because I marveled at his house. And then the fireworks and shit. I was like, that's a flex. So here comes Eddie Hearn. It's like you want to do that and just stage these <laughs> fights in my backyard, and I'm gonna have pyro too. That's a flex. Yeah. I thought Bill Goldberg was coming out yeah. with all that damn pyro. That was WrestleMania quality. I was like, oh, God. And though it was like a completely, it was a card that American audiences didn't give a shit about, uh, egg and cheese in the main event, nobody cared in America. It was a good show. It was, it was good fights that oh, night. Good that day. fight. There was a knockout, a knockout, I think, to open up the, the card. That was phenomenal. Yeah. No, it was a good, it was a good card. And I'm not speaking this because I work at the zone, because trust me, I don't watch all these UK cards. Like, I watch them later, I'll speed through them to get some results or whatever. I'm never, like, looking at the UK cars like, yo, I need to watch this. But I watched this one because I was really intrigued by Hearn's Backyard, and I was like, oh, this is a pretty good show. It's a good fight. Yeah, man, I I watched the entire thing through. It was was really good. I was entertained. I was like, all right, 
they're putting on really good fights over there. And then now we have the slate for the rest of the month and some good fights still to come on the zone. But one thing that jumped out to me is, and Eddie Hearn mentioned this last week, they have four fight cards headlined by women. Yeah. Which starts with the um, Harper Jonas, I believe, fight this Saturday mm-hmm. or tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, it's on Friday. So by the time you guys listen to this, we'll probably be watching that fight. But I think what he's doing, and this, whether it's you know purposeful or not, this is great for women's boxing, which I believe is underserviced. Oh, yeah. There's no, there's no reason for the UFC to, at this point, have equal rules, damn near equal pay for a person like Amanda Nunez. Maybe not throughout the entire roster, right? But when you're at the top, she's making the 500000 plus pay-per-view buys. So it, it's great to see what the UFC has done. And boxing so far behind that, that... These little steps mean a lot, showcasing women at this level. And and I love what the, the zone is doing because they have a really good roster of women. Yeah, I mean, you have this that fight um, tomorrow. Then you have Cecilia Brockus and Jessica McCaskill. Uh, oh, great. Kind of like a makeshift tournament. It was supposed, the winner was supposed to fight the winner between Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. But now Serrano's not in the fight. So it will be Katie Taylor and Delphine Pursun, which was an excellent fighting on the card of uh, Joshua and Ruiz. And then you still have Clarissa Shields. So it's like, I mean, women's boxing, they need, I don't know how we're going to figure this out. Because UFC, they kind of govern their own shit. Boxing, you got to go yep. through sanctioned bodies, commissions, yada, yada, yada. This two-minute round shit got to stop. It has to. Yep. It's time for three-minute rounds. It's time for 12-round title fights. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Because you, you point at another direct competitor in the UFC at MMA and say the women do exactly what the men do. Yeah. In these same cities, same countries, same, you know, athletic commissions say okay to that. There's no reason they can't say okay to women. I can only in boxing. It would only make sense to me if a number of women in boxing were like, nah, let's stick to two minute rounds. Every yeah. woman I've ever talked to in boxing, every woman I have ever talked to in boxing is offended and think it's an archaic model because, like, I yep. talked to Clarissa Shields many times, and Clarissa says it all the time. Like, I can't knock people out because I ain't got time. I have to hurry up and try to knock you out. That extra minute means a lot. Yep. Them two minute rounds. I mean, you got Michaela Meyer in the top rank. Like, three minute rounds, there'd be knockouts. There'd be more stoppages. You know, it's 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 really archaic. So it's it's a good thing to see women's boxing. You know, coming more to the forefront. Hopefully, these rules will change soon. We need three minute rounds. We need title fights. We need more women main eventing. And it's just like, I mean, I, I hate when they say like, "Oh, well, women's boxing boring. Don't get knockouts." Add that extra minute and watch what happens. Add it. Because yep. go ahead and take away two minutes from any UFC fight, male or female. It changes the fight. It changes how you strategize. It changes your cardio. It changes everything. Two minute yep. rounds in boxing. It's no time at all. Yeah, could you imagine that? In women's title fights in the UFC being three rounds max. In two minutes. And three, yeah, three-minute rounds. <laughs> Come on. Could you imagine that shit? Like, you, you look at a fight like Joanna and th- just had for the title. Yeah, Joanna and Zhang, which is a Versus fight of the year Yeah, crazy. You cut that in half? No. <laughs> in, in what, you cut 60% out of that? It's fucking ridiculous. Like, so, no, it's time for it to change. The, the argument 
that they've tried they've been making all these arguments for women's boxing right and i listen to the arguments about you know their brains and blah 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 their bodies etc 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 but you can't tell me you make those arguments for women but you can but you should make that same argument for men why you should cut down the the minutes and the rounds as well yeah like if you're going to say that the women can't handle it then the men can't handle it it's the same thing yes women and men yes our muscles are different our body types are different but you mean to tell me that that the men are more capable of subjecting themselves to that kind of violence and trauma? Like, they should eliminate it all. But they're not. And if they're not, make it equal. Unless the women say, I don't want to do this shit. They do. Clarissa Shields, she wants to do this shit. Oh, she's itching to do Dude, it. Dude, all of them. I talked to Celia Brockett this last week. Yeah, I think it changes in the next year. It has to. Honestly. I hope so. I, I think the current climate will force the change. I think it's going to be a bigger narrative. Um, and we're on this show. Fuck it. I mean, it's our show. Like, to be honest, two weeks ago, um, I wrote a email to, you know, the entire ESPN.com boxing team and everything else. Like, I'm, I vote now on the panel for Pound for Pound. And I put out a Pound for Pound list on Instagram, I believe. Cool-ass graphic, and people loved it. And one comment stuck out to me. This woman was like, why are there no women in your pound for pound? Or why don't you have a woman's pound for pound like the UFC does? Yeah. And that shit like sat on me for like two days. Then I wrote, a, I wrote an email to like everyone I could put on this fucking email. And I was like, why don't we have a woman's pound for pound? I was like, I understand maybe divisional rankings might be tough. But we can have a list of at least pound for pound. Top 10 for women. And they were like, you know what? We just never thought of it. Great idea. So we're, in, we're working on one right now. It drops next week. Spoiler alert. I don't think anyone else knows this. But yeah, I had to speak up for that. Again, it's the importance of having someone in the room. We also have no women writing about boxing. Or in social media on the women's side. Uh, on the men's, on MMA side, we have a great social media sp- um, specialist over there, Tessa, who's amazing. She has a woman's point of view on these things. We don't have it in boxing. So even me speaking up is super late. But at least I said something. It would have done, been done way earlier if we had a woman yep. and a woman's voice in that. So, you know, representation matters. Having different voices in the room matters. So that's something I'm pushing for. And shout out to the zone for making it, you know, one of their priorities as well. I think that's the next thing we got to fight for in boxing. It's like, no, these women are equal. We got to start realizing this shit, especially as men. We're idiots. It's taken us long enough. Let's let's treat them as equals. Um, outside of that, I think that's pretty much the week. I mean, we have fights. There's three title fights this week. Um, two on Fox, the return of Fox, a boxing on Fox, which looks like is going to be a good card. The names aren't, you know, ginormous names, but I think... Even like the the zone card, I think it's really good fights. Yes, it's. I mean, it's good to see the sport back, and there's more to watch, and things are just gonna get more busy and more. People, David Benavidez fights next week. The Brockus fight, of course. UFC 252. It's just, it's good to have combat yep. sports back. It's good to have the exactly. NBA in the bubble back, uh, which is insane. What's going on with like guys like Michael Porter and you know. Uh, T.J. Warren, goddamn, and uh, like it's the cats are going nuts. Carmelo, you know who's not doing well? Major League Baseball. At yeah. all, they didn't want a bubble, huh? Yeah. Like, oh, 
All right, baseball. Listen, my Yankees are fucking killing it. I'm going to be pissed if we don't get through to the playoffs. You're going to be pissed. Oh, my God. But, no, like you mentioned, next week we have so much more to talk about in terms of exact boxing matches because David Benavidez defending his title. Um, Rolando Romero fights for interim lightweight title. The lightweight division is stacked. Yeah. But this is another guy trying to get in there into the mix. So I like that fight a lot. We also have the return to Carl Frampton. Um, Mick Conlon fights. These are the earlier fights on ESPN. Uh, I think they'll start at 2 because it is in England. And then, as you mentioned, also next Saturday night, Cecilia Brockhouse versus McCaskill. So that's like Breakers versus McCaskill is going to be great as well. Um, Madrimov is on that oh, card. Israel Madrimov. If you guys haven't watched that oh. dude fight, <laughs> shit. It is a we talk about heavy hands. Heavy hands and the movement. Like, we talk about Lomachenko's movement. Watch Israel Majumov. He's only 5-0, but he's 25. He's won, like, a bunch of Asian tournaments and shit. But the man's movement and counterpunching, he's going to be a problem. But we'll talk more about him next week. Yeah, so we have great fights to break down and make predictions on next week. So, tons of boxing coming your way. The UFC is pumping out a pay-per-view next week. Daniel Cormier's final fight. So, we'll... Talk about where this could leave him in, you know, the line of greatest fighters of all time, what this means for him, what happens if he does win. We have tons of stuff to talk about in fighting next week. So thank you guys for tuning in to this show. Make sure you guys stay safe, stay Rona free. Shout out to the sponsors. Shout out to the network, Blue Wire. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter. Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Till next week. Peace. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.